Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to 50 Shades of Green Devos. We're so glad that you're uh, with us today. Yes, we're always happy to have you with us. And which shade are we today? Um, it's an interesting shade, I think. Uh, right Can- now, it's the shade of blowers out the window. <laughs> right. Like, there's guys crawling all over the building here with, like, and we, this is the time we have to do this. So we're just going to, sorry, folks, apologize. And, you know, we're going to just have to incorporate it. Well, we will. Because it kind of reminds me of the time I did did a show, actually a number of shows with with noise issues. One in particular uh, down in the East Village. And I was interviewing J.K. Kanipa, who's uh, anti-fracking, anti-gas things being built on properties and in oceans and on beaches. She's a, a a wonderful person, and we couldn't do the interview because there was a jackhammer out the window. Well, that would be, okay. you know, prohibitive. There was no way. And I said, where can we do the interview? And she said, well, there's a community garden not far from here. There you go. And there's a treehouse, and we can do the show in the treehouse. And here I am. Oh, my God. On, that's so cool. On Avenue A, out somewhere in the Alphabet City area, Community Garden on East 6th Street. In a treehouse? In a treehouse, watching a bunny. This is Manhattan. Go across and squirrels, you know, and, and various. Rats? Didn't see any rats. Only rats with wings, pigeons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was something which was so special which grew out of this need to be somewhere quiet. Well, so, hey, man, that's and, a cool story. And community gardens are really, really quiet uh, for the segway, most part. Segway. Yeah. That's part of our, our story. Our interview today is with... Um, Amanda Gentile from Grow NYC. And um, we're going to be talking to her about their uh, the farmhouse project and their, and their community gardens. They are instrumental in getting these gardens and helping... You know, with those yeah, gardens. and and you were on site. This is an interview that that uh, Max did on right. site at right. at this new facility. Right. And by the way, like the acoustics, the the whole sound quality, so much better than this. Well, it's <laughs> it, it, it's a lead building. Yeah. It's a lead structure. You know, office. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's it has a kitchen. Everything is lead products. Bathrooms. You know, the way the water flows, the no flush, the low flush. Uh, and, and also, oh, yeah, they, they had the living wall. They have and, a living wall yeah. where they they snipped off some basil for me. One of those. We'll have to come. You know, we we we'd love to do do a show there again because uh, it was really fantastic. And community gardens are again are so very important. And I came across this this story in in the New York Times uh, last October by Andy Newman, and uh, he he featured different uh, New York City kids how kids live in the city and there were a lot of different stories but one folk one caught my attention because it was about this young lady uh named natasha and and she is uh a young lady who in the midst of the city this is in, in east harlem 
uh, has a, a plot at the, the Pleasant Village Community Garden, and she grows kale, and she grows chard and cilantro, and she's been tending the garden for for over a year, and she said she eats lots of her herbs that come from her plot, like basil, oregano, dill, and she said she can't remember the last time I bought herbs from the supermarket, which right. is amazing. And she goes to this garden, uh, which is this you know space on 118th Street in an open grassy area with wildflowers and fields, and and she's just become one with this particular you know yeah. growing. And so what happened is you know this is as she said it's a it's a the space is in the back you know and and she even had her birthday party there, but then she found out she had to get political. This is a 12 year old because wow. the city may be taking down the land to build skyscraper there. And she said the backspace has been designated for a housing project. And she said, in her mind, they look at the gardens and all they see are vacant lots. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of other places they can build. So why do they want to build in our community garden? Mm-hmm. So she became involved and she started giving out leaflets. And, and people were saying to her, and taking them be, mostly because... Hey, you're a kid. I'll take it. But she says now she's getting involved in politics, which she never thought she would ever do. Right. Trying to save a community garden. Mm-hmm. And it's so important we have spaces like that in the city. And and to me, it's, you know, it's not really. I a love good these thing. kid activists that are, you know, these kids that are learning really early about um, and not taking no for an answer when it's not right or when they feel strongly about something. And I'm going to encourage our listeners to, if you haven't heard our podcast with Zoe Weil of the uh, Humane Education. The Institute for Humane Institute Education. For Humane. I call it IHE because uh, those are the letters. Listen to that. Go look for that podcast when you're done with this one because it's really inspiring about education and ways that we can help inspire our kids to to think differently, think holistically, and, and see things from the big picture uh, sustainably and, and how everything's interconnected, blah, blah, blah. Right. right? And, and, and Grow NYC is very much a part of that as well because they have an education component and getting these kids to learn and to teach them how to grow and to teach them they can plant these seeds and they can grow food and they can eat food. And there's a lot of food insecurity, especially in big cities. Yeah. So these community gardens are, are wonderful. And it, and it's something that kids, you know, will remember, which is what we also spoke about in, in, in Zoe's, you know, Wiles interview. So there's a big connection to that, which is great. Yeah. So, well, before we launch into the interview, which, um, which we have to do in a minute, mm-hmm. Wait, I don't know if we have time for our silly science fact. I, I, I can give you a silly science fact. Come and I'll on, just we take need it. Really, you know, I, again, me being goofy. Uh, I caught this in Science Daily. It says, in mice, calorie restriction reduces fat but increases fur. Really? So, so it's a, just a summary of this, this uh, September 12, 2017 article in, in Science Daily. It says, Calorie restriction may help mice stay slim and live longer, but it also means less fat to keep their bodies warm. So re- researchers in Brazil have found that mouse skin responds to caloric restriction by stimulating fur growth. Wow. Increasing blood flow and altering cell metabolism. So here's my question. 
fur like is my hair going to grow thicker if I lose weight or am I going to start getting furry arms and legs maybe you get furry arms and legs but <laughs> but to me this is like a win-win you know reduce your calorie intake by 60% which is what they did with these mice these mice were healthy and happy and yeah. they got more hair i love it maybe love we it. can send this to the white house there you go you know for oh all, the, all the guys who want to grow more hair uh, in the uh, right places in the, in yeah. the right yeah. <laughs> in the right places but but it's interesting that you know it, it's healthy overall to reduce calorie intake but heck if it's going to help you grow hair or yeah. fur hey. hey it's coming upon you know mice winter on a diet why not you know we 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 the mice don't seem they didn't seem to mind and they got hairy. <laughs> hairy mice. Hairy mice. Uh, what are you going to do? Again, it's all good. Eat less, get more hair. I don't know. Uh, so our, that was good. Thank you, Max. I mm. love your silly science facts. Silly science yeah, facts. I think that's got to become a thing. That's a thing. Silly but in, science you facts. You know, in the meantime, folks, please stay tuned. We have a wonderful interview that Max did on site with Amanda from Grow NYC. But uh, meanwhile, please check us out Mm -hmm. online and on our social media. We have at 5050ShadesOfGDs on Twitter. Twitter. uh, At The Green Divas on Instagram, at Green Diva Meg on Instagram, at Green Diva Meg on Twitter. We got Green Divas on Facebook. And Max has... got a couple of... The Many Shades of Green, uh, you can go to at TM Shades of Green on Twitter and, and tweet us. We get all these things and love to, to tweet back. We if something's really with you. If, if something's cool, we'll retweet it, and we would hope you would retweet us. Hey, tweet, that, tweet. We'd like a lot, like tweet, tweet. And like. visit thegreendivas.com for more information on this show and other things that we're doing. Right. and. Updated articles. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Do you suffer from allergies and chemical sensitivity? Then it's time to incorporate the EnviroClean system. Utilizing patented technology, the EnviroClean system safely and effectively neutralizes toxins without leaving behind harmful VOCs. From the solid and upholstered surfaces that surround us, to the clothes we wear, to the very air we breathe, EnviroCleanse provides personal environment protection for everyone. Use code GREENDIVAS to get 20% off site-wide at EnviroKLENZ.com. Everybody in Green World Radio Land. Uh, this is uh, Green Diva Max here for Fifty Shades of Green Divas, and we have a really special guest. We're on location in this incredible spot in Manhattan, uh, and the guest we have is Amanda Gentile. She's from Grow NYC, which is a hands-on nonprofit working to build sustainable communities through farming, education, community action. Uh, they have community garden programs, recycling programs, and they educate about 30,000 children each year, which is amazing, and they help run a network of green markets, including the city's most famous market at Union Square. Grow NYC's latest endeavor is Project Farmhouse, which is a state-of-the-art sustainability center and event space that allows New Yorkers to explore environmental issues through food, horticulture, the arts, and education. So my first question is, 
When did the idea arise for the farmhouse project, and what did it take to get it off the ground? So it's been about a four-year journey since it was initially conceived, and we have never owned anything. We operate farmer's markets. They open up in the morning. They close down at night. We build community gardens, but we don't own them. So everything we do packs away into a backpack or a a tent or whatever. Um, So we thought it would be a nice thing to have a public home that people could come to and learn about sustainability issues. So a lot of fundraising, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears. And um, we started construction, oh God, maybe last spring. And so it's finally, we opened our doors and we're, we're programming it. So it's a reality. Yeah, we're in, we're in this space. Uh, and the new space practices what it preaches, what it does. How do, how do you practice what you preach within this space? Like what's in here that gives people the information they need about what environmental learning would be or cooking or programs? How does it all mesh together? Sure. So we have, starting with the top, we have these baffles on the ceilings that create the look of a farmhouse, and those are made from recycled soda bottles. The conference room table that we're sitting at is made from salvaged wood from a Manhattan building that was demolished. The walls, the wood walls of the conference room, were rescued from a lake in Panama in a freshwater lake, so they were perfectly preserved. The bathrooms have low flush toilets. The lighting is all LED and responsive. So as much as much recycled materials as we could do. There's obviously the green wall. That's the Con Edison green wall. Um, and that is growing lettuce, basil, all sorts of things in a, in a hydroponic system. And that is kind of designed to inspire people and get some conversation started and bring a little green into the space, a little tribute to farming. Um, and then the kitchen, the uh, Bofi Soho teaching kitchen has um, induction induction heat, so you're not working with gas or fuel or that kind of thing. So, yeah, definitely we wanted to make sure that the space was reflective of, of what sustainability means. And, you know, it wasn't a new construction project. It was a space that already existed that was um, fitted out to, to be used. Well, I'm in this building right now, and I'm seeing, I mean, in this space, and, it, and it's really remarkable. We'll throw some pictures up so we can, you can see what it looks like as well. But who, who did that, the, uh, the hydroponic wall? That was um, designed by a guy named Alex, and his company is called Hort LED, so LED like the lights. And he he is so talented and built the system. And actually, it's funny, we had a couple other systems that didn't wind up working out, and we were um, we were planning our open house, and our and our wonderful sponsor Con Edison was coming to the ribbon cutting, and there was no system in place, and we were in a complete panic, and Alex you know, had had been planning to build the system. And he was up until probably midnight or one in the morning um, the night before the open house and and got it done just in time. And it looked beautiful. But yeah, it was a nail biter. Uh, We love nail biters. So who can use the space and, and how can people find out about what's going on here? 
Sure. So we have um, a website, uh, projectfarmhouse.org, and we have our upcoming events there, and we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. So we do our own programming here. So for example, our school gardens program, Grow to Learn, hosted their uh, school garden social, where I think 40 or 50 teachers came out, did a variety of things, everything from making homemade lip balm to taking plants for their school and and learning about um, how to incorporate the garden into the classroom. So it's Grow NYC's own programming. We train our volunteers here. We do our, um, we have a, a program for new farmers to help them get going here in the Northeast. So we do our our education programs for those farmers here. Uh, We partner with other nonprofits. So um, for example, last night we did a screening in partnership with Sierra Club. And we, uh, so, and also it's, it's an event venue too, so that we can underwrite the cost of operating our programs and running the space. So sometimes just, you know, someone will come in and do a private event here, like maybe a book launch or a, a fundraiser or whatever it is. So it's, it's a mixture of Grown YC programming, um, Grown YC in partnership with, and then other people's programming, whether it's a private company, another nonprofit organization. So it's a, a wide array of things. And one of the things that we actually did recently was we distributed to um, a list of nonprofit organizations that we have a history of working with an, an RFP that if they had a programming idea that fit within our mission, um, that we would give them use of the space for free and in exchange for kind of co-hosting programming that, that we thought that the public would like to see. So, so we're working on working with as many different partners as possible. Have you had cooking classes yet? We had um, we had at our open house three different chefs use the kitchen and do sampling, um, including Peter Hoffman. And we had, I know, a group of kids that came in to do some nutrition education. We haven't officially done a cooking class yet, but it's something we want to do. We we really just launched programming in the spring, so we're still getting our legs. There are so many other programs that you do as well, because uh, Grow NYC is, is a major part of the city. You, you do the Union Square Garden and all these other amazing programs, recycling, children's programs, and you also work with community gardens. Can you expand on what you guys are doing on that in that area? Sure. So specific to community gardens, we're um, about to hit a very exciting milestone. This fall, we will um, hit 100 gardens that we've created in New York City. And there's somewhere over 600 gardens total in the city. So that's a, a big chunk of those. And, and we've worked with many partners to make that happen from from Green Thumb, different, uh, you know, other nonprofit organizations. We've had countless um, corporate volunteers that have come out and done major rehab to gardens that we've created in the past. But um, we're, we're really proud of how we've advanced the community gardens movement in New York City and have taken so many vacant lots and turned them into, you know, community spaces that are that are utilized and well-loved by community members. So um, very excited about that. And, uh, and not only do we build gardens, but one of the things we we're really committed to is the longevity of those gardens. And that's 
a little funny because our gardening program has some really long-term staff. So talk about longevity. Gerard, who heads up our gardening program, has been with Grown YC for 31 years. Lenny, who just retired this past year, was there also for 30-plus years. So these guys know everyone in the gardening community. They answer the questions questions by phone. We loan tools. We do donated plants. We do our annual plant sale where 500 groups come out and buy uh, wholesale quantities of plants to get their gardens growing for the season. Um, We bring corporate volunteers. We organize big corporate volunteer days to do either garden built or major renovations of gardens that have maybe fallen into disrepair or just need a little TLC. So one of the things I'm most proud about of Grown YC is really that we've been, um, I think, a very valuable resource to the community gardens world. Do you have any particular story that stands out about a garden in a particular area that really brought the community together and, and, or any, anything about a particular spot that crosses your mind? We had a garden in, I think it's in East Harlem. There was a fire. There were four different community gardens, and there was a fire, and it destroyed the site, and it was unused for a a good period of time. And um, Grow NYC got together with the Parks Department and just uh, last year finished, it's called United We Stand Community Garden, and it is now just hopping. You, I'll, I'll send you the photo so you can share with our, your um, listeners. And it's a vibrant community garden. It's tons of people are growing food. There's, you know, plots for, for that, which people are using to do, you know, tomatoes and peppers and everything. And so it's just always nice to see something like that happen where, you know, something's languishing and not being utilized and any space in New York City is so valuable. And so to have it be green and keep the neighborhood a little cooler and provide some shade and an opportunity to grow something and be a little bit more connected with nature is very nice to see. That's really good. I know um, Bit Midler has an organization. Do you ever work with her at all? I mean, now she's Dolly, but you know, but she's also really very green in many ways. So I'm just wondering if there's any connection with what you do and what she does. Sure. So I think we probably provide, I'm sure over the years we've partnered with NYRP, and I know that they provide kind of a, probably a complementary service to what we do. So we're very focused on community gardens. And one of the things NYRP does really well is they have have built, I think, 50... I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I think 50 pocket parks. So a little, a little... A little different than a community garden, but still green space, still a vital space that people use. So I think both of us in existence in New York City is a great thing. And I think that they do some education programs as well. But probably, I know they focus a lot of their efforts on um, Harlem, Upper Manhattan, and I think uh, Central Brooklyn. So geographically, we kind of spread out and and, um, both working for the, the greener good of New York. Yes, the greener. We need green in New York, and and having open space just so people can take a, a you know a breath and and see a tree. You know, everyone they call me a tree hugger, and I'm like, sure, I wear that badge well. And 
I'll send photos out. Did you hug your tree today? And I'll get answers. I did, and show me pictures. You know, so in New York, we got in New York. There's a lot of steel, but there are trees, and you guys are really helping in that area as well. So, how are some of the education programs working uh, with students and, and teaching them? I know you have programs, and uh, and and this new space, you know, as well. Can you give us an example? Sure. So today at um, Governor's Island Teaching Garden, we have a massive now half-acre urban farm demonstration garden that we do field trips um, with kids um, at. And it's, it's open to the public on weekends, but it's mostly a field trip site during the week. And last year we had... Uh, 5,000 kids come out, and they get to spend half a day in this oasis, and it's got farm-style rows like you'd see on a real farm. We have an aquaponic system that just happened this year with fish and everything. We have a, a the the world's largest, um, supposedly, the world's largest uh, solar cooker. We have an outdoor kitchen made out of a shipping container and, you know, tons of plants, herbs. We have a gourd tunnel. We have an orchard. So it's really like a wonderland for, for gardens. And it is... Kids get to, you know, they get to plant, they get to harvest, they get to eat it, they help make a healthy snack and and have that and uh, learn about horticulture and bees and pollinators and stuff like that. So that is just, nothing gets you excited about something or want to learn about something more than being out in it. So for them to be out in Governor's Island and be in New York City and see all of lower Manhattan, but be in a natural setting is just like, it's a cool thing. So we have that up and running. And then one of our other programs that is um, getting going is our Learn It, Grow It, It program is a youth development program up in the South Bronx. And out of the 200 kids that we work with during the school year who learn about the connection between what you eat and how that affects your health and blood pressure and salt and all those things, um, a bunch of them will apply to be a summer intern, and 15 of them will become interns. And for six weeks, they will run their own farm stand in the South Bronx in Morrisania. They tend two or three community gardens, so they work amongst themselves and also with people that are in the gardens, so seniors. They'll teach young kids. Um, They'll take them on little mini field trips around the garden and educate them. And then they design and deliver mini nutrition workshops. So when people come to the farm stand that they run or other community events where they are, they'll do like a little five-minute how much sugar is in your soft drink or which of these fast foods is better or worse, and they'll do healthy cooking demos and stuff like that. So it's great because they're learning about this stuff, but they're also teaching it at the same time and building their self-confidence and um, spending time outdoors and getting a little uh, entrepreneurial experience. So, so those are two programs that are, that are jumping to mind, but lots of education programs going on. And that's good because it teaches kids, you know, the importance of nutrition and eating right. And in a lot of areas in the city, food security is an issue. And if we can have more growth in, in school areas and community gardens where you can grow food and kids will see where it comes from, where the seed goes in and watch it grow and water it and, and just cult- cultivate it and then eat it and have a great time. That That's so important uh, in, in this uh, city. So that, that's really, really wonderful. I know you also have a recycling program. Can you give me just a little bit about that? Sure. So we're 
zero waste programs, and that is actually um, a program that is contracted through Department of Sanitation. So they fully fund our program, and we're part of an umbrella of some other organizations that work on recycling. And so what we do is everything from organizing recycling at big events like the you know, like the Cure for Cancer Run or the Puerto Rican um, Day Parade or Pride or to going into an apartment building and training everyone from the residents to the supers to the management company about recycling. We help them set up a recycling center in the, the basement or wherever it is in their building. We give people sort and store bags for their apartment and try to get jumpstart successful recycling in in New York City buildings. And we do compost collections at a bunch of our green markets. In fact, many of our green markets at this point. And we also just launched a compost program in northern Manhattan where we're out at busy parts of that area collecting compost. And that just launched last week so that residents can drop their food scraps while they're on their way to work. Or um, And then the, the other program that is wildly loved that we run is the stop and swaps. And those are free swap events that we have around the city. In we try to hit every community district in the city. Basically, you can come with some stuff that you've cleaned out of your apartment. You can come with nothing. You can come and just take stuff. And there's lots of um, lots of treasures to be had. So, so those are a great program to try to keep... Uh, things that are perfectly good out of the landfill and try to prevent people from buying new things when they can have something that's perfectly good. Grow NYC is really a wonderful organization doing a lot of great things. Uh, So where can people get information about the the farm project here and about Grow NYC? Sure. So if you want to get out to the farmer's market that's closest to you, just go to growonyc.org. We, in our Facebook page, and our Instagram accounts are great ways to find out about events that are kind of coming up immediately. We have an events page on our website, grownyc.org, and uh, people can sign up for emails, and that's probably the best way to find out about fun events we have going on or changes at the green market and, and all those good things. And then for Project Farmhouse, it's projectfarmhouse.org. Okay, so everyone go check out those great sites and check out Grow NYC and, and be part of Good green stuff happening in the city. You've been listening to The 50 Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and The Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com.